that, though, let's bring in our TSN hockey analyst, Craig Button. And, and Craig, you just heard us talking about Patrick Kane and, and his performance last night and his potential fit for the Leafs, if it's one of the destinations that he finds attractive. I heard you on, on Jay on SC talking about it. What are your thoughts on, on the idea of all this? Well, I, I think the first uh, thought is that Patrick Kane is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's been a great player. Yep. He, he, he still is a top-notch player. Don't even look at this year and consider anything to the contrary. And what am I going to do, say that Patrick Kane doesn't fit in on any team? Like, uh, I mean, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. And Patrick Kane is, is that good. So, you know, you can look at different areas of a team, and uh, you can say, okay, we want to strengthen ourselves there. But Patrick Kane would strengthen any team that, that, that he's on. And, you know, adding him to, uh, to, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, just gives them even that much more offensive punch. And they're already a top offensive team. And, you know, if that's the path that they want to go into, well, that strengthens their team. If they, if they want to go into a, a different direction with a defenseman or a, a different type of forward, well, that'll strengthen their team too. The whole goal here is to strengthen your team. And if anybody wants to suggest that Patrick Kane wouldn't strengthen your team, I would suggest that that person needs to uh, maybe not talk about hockey. <laughs> well, I'm curious, Craig, like what type of due diligence would Kyle Dubas have to do uh, before making this type of trade? Like there's the, the ongoing speculation about Patrick Kane's hip injury. Like are general managers privy to that information, like the medicals and whatnot prior to making deals? Like what type of due diligence would he have to do to be comfortable making this type of trade? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to get to a point where, you know, you 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 satisfy the Chicago Blackhawks with 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 respect to, uh, you know, a deal that they're comfortable with. Then you can say, but hey, this is going to every deal is subject to uh, a medical and, and and making sure that everything is, is checks out health wise. But you know, the Chicago Blackhawks owe nothing to the uh, to to any team uh, unless there's a deal that, that that's ready to be there now. Can Kyle Dubas ask Kyle Davidson, hey, listen, you know what, I'm going to engage in these talks, but can you assure me that, uh, that Patrick Kane uh, is healthy or there's nothing lingering? And, you know, Kyle Davidson say, I, I can assure you of that, but, you, you know, and, and leave it at that. And, and then it becomes your word. And there's, not a, there's no GMs in the league that are going to uh, mislead or lie in that respect. It, it, you know, the, number one, it's, it's not in their DNA. And number two, it doesn't serve any, any good purpose. So that doesn't happen happen so when you look at it and 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 you consider you know because Kyle Dubas has to you know understand hey listen if it's something that I want to pursue then we're going to be serious about it so I want to know that I'm pursuing it and spending time on it with the idea that uh you know everything is is good health-wise and and if it isn't that's fine too I'm moving in other directions and you know Kyle Davidson in that respect might say to uh hey listen you know I share that with you and you know I I ask you to to keep that confidential which you know, players' medical reports are confidential, right. uh, just as a matter of, just as a matter of law. Forget about good words; it's, it's a matter of law. Do Do you think the Blackhawks owe anything to Patrick Kane? Like, if he came up to them and said, "Hey, I want to play in Toronto," I, would it be a, a situation where they do whatever it means, or would they still need to get that top tier, you know, um, assets back in order for them to make that swing? Or do you think that? Kane has given enough to this organization where they would say, okay, we'll go and we'll see if we can get something we could live with. Maybe it's not the best return, but something we could live with and figure something out with the Maple Leafs to, to, facilitate, that, to facilitate that for Patty Kane. There's a statue going to be going up outside the United Center with, with, with Patrick Kane. That's the bottom line. 
he's given everything and more to the Chicago Blackhawks. I think that when you look at his brilliance over his time with the script, from day one all the way through, I mean, all he has done has been a brilliant player for the Blackhawks. And so, you know, he fully controls the, 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 the situation, fully controls it. And so, you know, for Patrick Kane, and I, I believe this, that him and Jonathan Taze, you know, if they are going to consider uh, leaving the Blackhawks, it would be to go to a team that has a serious chance of winning the Stanley Cup. So now if you're, so now if you're Kyle Davidson, put yourself in the general manager's chair, and, and Patrick Kane says, hey, listen, you know what, like, you know, I'll consider waving, but here's the team or teams that I would go to. You know, it, 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 it behooves Kyle Davidson not to meet the wishes of Patrick Kane. Not to meet the wishes of Patrick Kane. Regardless, I'm not telling you to just say, oh, yeah, give me a seventh-round draft pick. It's got to be something that's reasonable. But, but, but I think there's a recent example here. And I, and I think it's, it's very clear what Doug Armstrong did with Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko had a no-move clause. He certainly, uh, you know, contributed a lot to the St. Louis Blues over a period of time. And Doug, you know, you can look at it and go, well, he got a first-round draft pick. And, but, you know, he, he, he served the needs of his organization as best as he could. But he was also uh, recognizing that Vladimir Tarasenko gave a lot to the Blues over his time. And so now here, here's what we can do. And I, I, I don't have any reason to believe that Kyle Davidson would do anything uh, other than that. Yeah, very interesting situation in Chicago right now. So I'll stay tuned to see what happens there. That's our TSN hockey analyst, Craig Button. Uh, let, let's shift our attention to a great American player that does play on the Maple Leafs currently. Austin Matthews got back into the lineup last night, a goal and an assist. Looks like he didn't miss a beat, Craig. You were on Jay last night, and you're thinking he could be poised for a little run here down the stretch? Well, recent history uh, serves as a, as a guidepost. You know, all you got to do is look back to last year where, you know, he took it to another level. You know, it's fascinating when we talk about Austin. And, you know, he scored 60 goals last year, you know, MVP and everything that went with it. And, and he's on pace for 40 goals. I mean, I mean that's what he's on. And, and, you know, you think about 60 to 40, okay, it's a drop and everything. But it's hard to score 50 in this league, let alone 60. But... At, at, at the end of it all, when I watch Austin Matthews play, you know, he, he's dangerous. He's dangerous all the time. He's dangerous game in, game out. And a healthy, rejuvenated, uh, like, you know, sometimes it's not just the health part, the physical part of it. It's also just kind of the, the, the fatigue that sets in mentally. And so watching the game last night, watching Austin come out right from the opening faceoff, I mean, he was, he, he was chomping at the bit. He, he was like a thoroughbred that got put in the gates at the Kentucky Derby and those gates opened and away he went. And to me, that's what he is. He is a thoroughbred. And to, to, to be in the state that he's in physically and mentally, and I'm talking about just resting and, and, and being in that state, I, I think that's a scary proposition. But when I, when I think about Austin Matthews in the game versus Chicago, I mean, he, he, he was a dangerous, dangerous player throughout. And Yeah, he only had one goal and one assist, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So, you know, if Austin Matthews continues uh, playing like he did last night and, and understanding that what he did last year was pretty significant and route to 60 goals, uh, I would say that uh, indications that a top player being a top player are, are, are real strong. That if you're an opponent, watch out. Well, he didn't even get a, an assist technically on that opening goal, but apparently it was it was all Matthews. Like right. the Inlander after the game said, "Yeah, it was his idea to to drop that play and for for me to attack, and he technically won't get rewarded for it on the score sheet." But I think it just points to the fact that like Austin Matthews a has the maturity to 
you know, make a make a, a decision to do something like that. But also, it's just like the the IQ of this guy, knowing that something like this could be available for a team that might not be expecting it right out of the gate. I think that just speaks to kind of, you know, the the evolution in his game just keeps taking leaps and leaps and leaps, not only on the ice but also up in the brain. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you the whole inside story on how that play got developed and where it started from. Love it. it was at the Super Bowl party on Sunday. They were all gathered, Super Bowl party, watching Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Jalen Hurts and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> do, do, do plays. So, they, you know, I don't know if it was over the guacamole dip or if it was over the queso dip or the chicken wings or whatever, but that's where the play all emanated from. I, I believe that they, they drew it up probably in the in the three cheese dip yeah. and, and said here's what we can do and you know and then they couldn't wait to play on on, on, on Wednesday to, to show off their, their coaching acumen. <laughs> I mean who's to say that uh, Austin Matthews isn't in line to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Hey, who know you know it's funny you say that though, Craig, because the way that Nylander kinda came I don't know. It looked like he was running a football route. Like he kind of, I don't want to say lazily, but like kind of acted as though he was just nonchalantly skating, you know, in towards Connor Mur- or in towards the defender, Jake McCabe. And then out of nowhere on a dime cuts to the middle of the ice and it accepts the pass from the defender and then ends up taking it right to the net. So it kind of looked like a football route in a way. It's funny that you mentioned that because that, that kind of did go through my head. It was like that kind of looked as though, you know, it was a little bit of a stutter route and then boom, there. He went and caught him in stride, and you know, history went to the house, as they say in uh, in football. Kind of looked like it, AB. It's exactly. It looked exactly like it was a slant round. I just said Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I said they were watching Super Bowl. I know. I mean, it was exactly a wide receiver move. What do you mean, kind of look? you're a hundred percent right. I was, I was, I was. Trying to, I don't know, add to what you were saying, where I, I'm confirming that. I also agree. It definitely looked like that. Um, well, I said it last night on FC and J as well. I said this was a football play. Yeah, yeah. It was. Julia uh, was watching. Obviously, you were. <laughs> oh, tuned boy. in. Thanks, Julia. Very I'm deeply glad you tuned, tuned in. in. <laughs> had a long day. I had to take photos yesterday. Yeah. I was out. It was a long day Get for me. Get a photo me, shoot. Just yeah, start. it was a long was day a for me. Oh, was... the, the old photo shoot. Yeah, I saw pictures <laughs> of everybody having to get the old photo shoot headshot day. <laughs> you didn't get down here for your headshots, Craig? Listen, I do one a year, usually at uh, free agency, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it lasts a year. You know, my, my beauty shines throughout the year. I don't have to get them updated. Ah, fair enough. So true. <laughs> uh, we're chatting with Craig yeah, Button. Yeah, that's not true, Julia. <laughs> so I, 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 true. <laughs> um, Connor Timmons is an interesting cat to me, Craig. It seems like every time he's in there, um, good things are happening. Like 13 points in 19 games, definitely nothing to uh, to sniff at if you're Connor Timmons and you're watching him play. But why isn't this guy getting more of a, more of a look? I guess I suppose you can look at it and say depth, but it just seems like they gave him this contract extension. Like, should he be getting a little bit more run here down the stretch? And like, what have you made of his play since becoming a Maple Leaf? I think he is getting a run. You know, but 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 you got T.J. Brody and you got Timothy Lilligren, who's played really well. You, you know, one of the things, not one of the things, a couple of things I would say about Connor. You know, Connor was a, was a really good prospect, and uh, you, you know, drafted by the uh, Colorado Avalanche, got traded for Darcy Kemper in a pretty significant deal, and so so, so this isn't. You know, knowing what Connor Timmons was capable of and knowing what his potential is, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Number two is that. 
he, he ran through a stretch of four seasons about where, where, where he, he, he wasn't able to play very much. I mean, prior to being acquired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think he had played 105 games in four seasons, including missing a full season. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to hone your game. It's hard to develop your game when you're not playing. And I think when they picked him up in that trade, I think the biggest challenge for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Connor Timmons together was how were you going to be able to get him back playing? How were you going to get him comfortable in his game and playing to his strengths, which you've identified, and then getting him into game action? And, and, and so you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I, I think they've handled him really nicely. But, but I think that it shouldn't come as a surprise based on Connor's potential. And, you know, when, when you make that trade back when they did, you got, you got a lot of runway to, to, to help the player develop and, and get him moving along in, in, in the right direction and in the direction that you feel he can do that. And certainly he has shown that. But, but I, think it's, I, I think all in all, when you, when you look at where Connor Timmons finds himself today, I, I think that's a great place for Connor. And I think it's a really significant place for uh, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to, to, to have found him that opportunity to develop his game. Because it's not easy to develop your game at the NHL level, and Connor's done a nice job of that. Yeah, pretty impressive little resurgence from Connor Timmons. That's Craig Button on the phone, our TSN hockey analyst. Let's go around the league a bit, Craig. Take a look at our trade bait board. Timo Meyer, currently the top dog on that one. The Leafs have, have checked in there, but we've kind of heard the Leafs have checked in everywhere, so I don't know if it counts as a full report. Where do you think Meyer would have the biggest impact, Craig? Calgary Flames. I think he's exactly what they need. I think that, you know, uh, they lost Kachuk, and that was a big loss for them. And, and, and I'll go through this real quickly. The, the Calgary Flames are still a really top team defensively. You know, let's put Markstrom aside. He struggled this year. But offensively, they're in the 25th percentile. That's simply not good enough. But more importantly, where they really struggle is in the inner slot, it, 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 in and around the net, inside the dots. And half the goals, approximately half the goals in the NHL are scored from the inner slot. The Flames don't do a very good job of that, and that is why their offense is down. So when I think about Matthew Kachuk going out the door, and you think about a player that could come in the door and provide them that opportunity, it's Timo Meyer. He doesn't have the same type of edge that Matthew Kachuk has, very few do. But Timo Meyer, he's top 10 in inner slot shots. He scores goals from that spot. He drives into that area. He's got weight. He's got speed. And he can play the right wing as a left shot. So when I look at a team that's a good team, and Brad Treleving has been bold in, in moves that he's made in, in previous years. So there's no question that Brad, that Brad Treleving has, has uh, a, a track record of finding a way to try to add players and being bold about it. But I think that Timo Meyer uh, would, would be a terrific fit with the Calgary Flames and exactly what they need. Now, would Timo Meyer help any number of teams? That goes without saying. But when you ask me the question, you know, the, the first team that comes to mind, and, and for the reasons I just outlined, the Calgary Flames. Have you ever been in a situation where Brad Living's in, Craig, where, you know, your goaltender, who you had so much faith in, who's been a top-five goalie for probably four or five years now in the National Hockey League, just falls off a cliff and, and just can't seem to, to find his game? Like, how tough is that? I guess thinking that that's a position of strength and all of a sudden you're heading into the deadline, you're on the outside looking in, and you're not so confident in that position anymore. Well, I, I, I would say this, A.B., 
I think they're confident in Vladar. I don't think it's the position, but but obviously Vladar's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, if Dan Vladar had not played the, to the level he's played at, the Flames would be talking about sellers, but they'd be so far out of it, they'd be frightened. So the position is in peril, but Jacob Marsham has really struggled. And, you know, it, it becomes confounding in a lot of ways. Jacob is a, is a dedicated player. He's a competitive player. We know how good he's been, and we know how capable he has been. But since game one of the series versus the Edmonton Oilers last year, he has really struggled to find a consistent form. You go back to the game Monday evening against the Ottawa Senators. You know, the breakaway goal, I know you would, we've done this stuff on, say, percentage on the first shot, first three shots, first five shots of the game. And, you know, Jacob Marshall is so far down, the, um, so far below the league average, it, it, it's frightening to, to look at those numbers. But he gives up that goal, so no big deal. They come back, they're winning 3-1, and, and they got him. And, and he made some really good saves. There was some really good stretches of the game where you go, geez, he's showing that confidence. He's showing that ability again that you're looking for. And if you're Bradshaw Living or Daryl Sutter or the players, you're going, okay, that's the Jacob Marshall we know. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's the, third, the second goal. I mean, he's deep in the net. He gives up a big rebound. It's 3-2. Uh, the tying goal by Debrinkat. Yeah, Debrinkat's a really good goal scorer. But, I mean, that's from the goal line, six foot six goaltender down, beats him up over the right shoulder high. And then, if you go back and look at the winning goal, he, he's fading again. There's no way Tim Stutzla has anywhere to come in front of the net. So all you got to do is just close off the, that net and, and make sure there's no holes there. Well, Jacob just fades back, drops, Stutzla beats him short side. So it, it, it's not even just game to game. It's, it, it's shift to shift, period to period for Jacob Markstrom. And so you, you get enthused and you get encouraged by some of the really good saves and some of the good play in the game. And then you come back and you watch how it unfolds at the end. And you can't, I'm not putting this all on Jacob Markstrom Monday night, but it, I, I think it illustrates the struggles that Jacob Markstrom has gone through this year. And make no mistake about it, A.D. and Julia, the team is sitting there on pins and needles with Jacob Marsham in the net. That's a fact. Yeah, not a very fun feeling when you can't trust what's going on behind yeah, you. But not interesting, the not the best. Interesting season for for Calgary in general, just with everything they went through this summer. Total kind of rebuild uh, of the of the Canadian teams right now. Craig, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto—the ones who are in the race—and and you can include Calgary in there too, uh, if you think it fits. Which one of them? do you think is closest to making a run? One move away. One move away? Well, think- I mean, it depends what that move is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you ask me today, you know, and, and, and I've done this previously, I did it a month ago, I think that for the Canadian teams, the Winnipeg Jets today, with their current roster and their path, are best positioned to go deep into the playoffs. And that path is a Western Conference that doesn't have the clear-cut uh, uh, favorite. And, you know, and it's wide open in the West. Now, you know, you, you, you can look at moves, and then it's all going to be dependent on what moves get made. You know, uh, if you make a move that, you know, really solidifies your team in another area, adds some strength to your group in, in a significant area, well, your chances have improved. But right today, right today, I believe the Winnipeg Jets, because of the path, the way they play, because of the goaltending, everything that's there, I think right then it's not that they're it's not that Toronto's not a good team. Toronto's a really good team, but their path is very different than the Winnipeg Jets, and their path is much much more difficult. Yeah, the Jets are just a team. They got some cap space. Just looking now, seven point yep. four million, so they could make an addition 
I mean, whether it's up front or down the middle or on the back end, I mean, they, they're, they're a pretty solid group, and there's space there to, to do something. Chevy's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting GM to kind of keep track the next couple of weeks. Um, question for you, Craig. Last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, we talked about the idea of load management, somewhat of a new, new age thing that's going on in pro sports. And it seems as though there's a new little thing that's popping up in the NHL here. And it's uh, healthy scratches for trade-related reasons. Are you, uh, are, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like this idea, or is this kind of bugging you as much as it's bugging me? Well, here's how I'll frame it. I, like, I understand, you know, what teams are trying to do. And, and keep in mind, it's not just the teams with the players that, that, that they're sitting out for trade-related reasons. It's other teams that, that you're talking to and conversing with and in, and in constant dialogue with about, about the acquisition of said player. So, like, you, you know, you want to you, you wanna make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're, at a, you're at a point in time where that player can, can move to his other team and, and be ready to go. And, but, but, but it's with this caveat, A.B., like, if there's something imminent and there's something that that's leads you to believe, hey, listen, you know what, we're right there, we've just got to work out on some of, the, some of the smaller details, dot the I's, cross the T's, i got no problem with it. But this idea of sitting out players for a long term just to protect them, I'm not buying. Listen, Craig. you know, players, these are top performers. They, they're, they're conditioned in, in every regard to play. And playing is what they do and what they do best. So if you're going to sit down and start saying, well, we're not going to play this player just to protect them, like, you know, you think about what the Arizona Coyotes have done with Jacob Chickren. Yes. Okay, so last weekend, I get it. That, that, that was kind of a signal to me. That like okay, they must be close to making a deal, and then Andre Jordanet comes out and goes, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna be a healthy scratch all this week." It's been three Don't games. Like Don't like that. Don't like that. I think it affects the integrity of the game. And you know, the bottom line is, you know, you, you, and I also go to this too, and I've said it many times. Be all oh, yeah, you gotta sit out players. Sit out players. Like you know, the players play. Players play. And and and, and like I said, they're conditioned. They're top performers, and they play. You know, if you're worried about getting them, about them getting hurt, well, then wrap them in bubble wrap, put them in a hotel room, airlift them, carry them down into the dressing room to get dressed for the game. Because I'll tell you what, Rasmus Anderson got hurt riding a scooter. And if you're going to be worried Fair about enough. players getting hurt, then you're worried about the wrong things. Yeah. I don't, like I said, imminent deal, I get it. Other than that, I don't agree with it at all. I'm with you. Like, sitting Chickard out for three games and counting, like, still haven't seen a yeah. deal. Now, they are playing the L.A. Kings this weekend, and maybe, you know, he packs an extra suit or a couple extra clothes. Maybe he sticks in L.A. after that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, to sit somebody out for an entire week is just seems ludicrous to me. I'm, I'm with it. That said, the Yotes have picked up five of six points since sitting him out. Nice one nothing well, win last night against Tampa Bay. Who needs Jacob Chick? Change the winning lineup now, isn't that the other argument? <laughs> yeah. can't change a winning lineup, right? That's it. They're on and a I'll roll. Tell you what, I, 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 I traded for Mike Commodore uh, when I was in Calgary, and he came. I, I, I think he came off the bus in Cincinnati, and he joined us, and he had a black suit. Well, that was the only suit he had for about sixteen days. But about day eight, I, I said to him, "I said, Mike, you, you, your suit looks like you sleep in it." It looks like you wear it under your equipment when you play in it. I said, have you ever heard of dry cleaners? 
I said, we can get this pressed to this morning and have it back to you by this afternoon. And he started to laugh. And he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, I got my clothes and everything. I said, you know what? Like I said, we got, you got another few days before you're going to be able to get your clothes. So we had a good laugh about it. But, you know, players just get into the, into the mode of just playing. So maybe, maybe, A.B., send a note to Jacob. Say, hey, pack a couple of suits wherever you're going. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a good call for him. Craig, appreciate the chat as always, my friend. Have a great weekend. We'll chat again next Thursday. Yes, we will. And see you Friday night for the CHL on TSN, Julia. Let's rock. Should be a good one. Yeah. In studio? Yeah. Both in studio? Yep. Look at wow. that. Wow. Us, Carla. What a treat. Good. All right. Have a good one. We'll chat next week, Thanks. pal.